Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. And as always, I'm accompanied by the great, the one, the only, Harley Schultz. How's it going, Well, Mr. fortunately, Schultz? I'm the one and only, because I don't know if America could handle two of me. <laughs> That's okay. I'd take two of you. Then maybe I wouldn't have to be here recording. You know what? If I had two of me, much like the Michael Keaton movie, Multiplicity, it could help me get all of my uh, rankings done for the week a lot quicker. And... uh Talk about being able to like submit multiple DFS lineups in a hurry. Yeah, you know what? The, and make an algorithm for that to give me two extra arms and an extra brain. That's not a bad idea. Well, I was going to say, uh, make a comment about the brain, but uh, I, don't, I don't quite want to go there just yet. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what we need to go to. You know what we got to go to, don't you? I, I, I hope I do. We got to go to Denny's. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to Denny's. We're going to get but right like at Denny's. It. Uh, give me the Grand Slam any day. There you go. No, we're not talking baseball. We're talking football. So we've got to go for the um, weekly Blitzed Podcast News and Mr. Schultz. Thank you, Steve. The Denver Broncos placed Capri Bibbs on IR and added free agent running back Justin Forsett to their ranks today. Forsett was a regular in a running back committee as recently as week two of this season. However, he lost his job in Baltimore and has bounced around ever since. With Devontae Booker averaging only 2.7 yards per carry over the last five weeks, Forsett could once again be called upon as a featured back. Now I know that sounds preposterous, but I also would have never guessed 10 weeks ago that America would elect a hotel mogul as its president. <laughs> Speaking of preposterous statements, the Los Angeles Rams just extended Jeff Fisher's contract for two more years. In related news, Los Angeles residents are drafting a proposal to send the Rams back to St. Louis. <laughs> Excited at the impact that Ezekiel Elliott is making as a rookie this season, LSU junior running back Leonard Fournette made it official that he was foregoing his senior year to enter the NFL draft. I wonder if someone should have told Fournette that he will not be running behind the Dallas offensive line. I'm sure that Todd Gurley's fantasy owners are all too happy to explain to him the headaches associated with being a featured running back on a rotten team. Many fantasy owners of New Orleans Saints skill position players such as Drew Brees, Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas, and Mark Ingram were disappointed when their team failed to take advantage of a gimme matchup with Detroit last week. Of course, fantasy owners of these players don't need to worry too much this week because this is the first week of fantasy playoffs and their teams didn't make it. And finally... Mike Zimmer rejoined the Vikings today following a second surgery on a detached retina in his eye. Zimmer has watched his Vikings dwindle a 5-0 start down to a 6-6 record and a highly unlikely playoff berth. We can neither confirm nor deny that Zimmer sustained the detached retina while attempting to poke his own eye out in disgust while watching his offense fail to move the football. This has been your BPN News Update. Well, I'm not sure if the Skype skittering recorded there or not, but if it did, I don't really think it took away from your last bit. You didn't hear it, but I, I think that the listeners will be okay. So we're not going to go back and re-record that. It sounded good on my end, so hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, it always sounds good in our own heads, right? Exactly. Just like um, starting Matt Barkley sounded good for me when I recommended him as a blue light special this week on the radio. 
I, I went down in flames with Colin Kaepernick this week, so I know the feeling. Uh, you know, I, I said that Colin Kaepernick would hook up with Vance McDonald. What I didn't realize is that that would be the only pass that Colin Kaepernick would complete through three periods. Actually, it was like the, they both went to Denny's or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> actually, they I had played... the two moons over Miami. Yeah. And by two moons over Miami, that means they only had one reception between the two of them. There you go. I did. I started Kaepernick also. And it, it hasn't cost me yet, but it's close. I've got to have Sheldon Richardson stay within 10 points of Daron Lee tonight. So we'll see. And it's a winner get. Winner gets into the playoffs, loser goes home between myself and John Norton of football guys in an IDP league. So we'll see what happens. But Well, I am glad to say that a couple of our uh, high picks for performing well last week really did. I mean, obviously, uh, Jordan Howard, who was my uh, pay-up player last week, did very, very good. Uh, as well as uh, both uh, Devontae Freeman and LaShawn McCoy, a couple of the other people that I recommended players uh, to pivot away from uh, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, if they couldn't afford both of them in their lineups to to go with a couple of these other higher tiered running backs in good matchups. Melvin Gordon as well. All all three of those guys performed admirably. And uh, again, if you were able to get both Bell and Johnson into your lineup, you were obviously rewarded with a great performance from the two of them. But uh, most people couldn't afford that. So getting these other secondary options with high performance numbers equal to equal to, or in the case of one of those guys, greater than the performance of Bell. That is how you win money, particularly in DFS. Yeah, and and Kelsey did well. I think you had Kelsey as a pay up, and I told I, you I, I didn't loved ag- Kelsey last. Told you week. I didn't I, agree I'm with sad you. Sad he didn't score. Remember, I said I didn't agree with you. Exactly. Because I did. You also suggest Jordan Reed. No, no, I said stay away from Jordan Reed. I said but, I didn't agree with you on on Kelsey because I didn't think he was a pay up. I thought he was a value. So that's true. We were both right. He had a great week. He had a great week for me in one of my leagues, also. So that's always a good thing. Well, shit. Now we're talking DFS here. Should we just roll into the DFS segment, or should we do what we were going to do? Well, let's talk DFS now, and then we'll roll into our secondary topic after that. We'll see how good we are at segueing. Let's try it. I feel like we should have some kind of special DFS like ching music or something. <laughs> it would just give me extra work to do as I'm editing this <clears> thing. So instead, I'm just going to say, "Hey Harley, who's your pay up at quarterback?" Well, you know what? All we got to do is get like an, a sound bar or something, so we can just press a button and it's like ching there. Yeah. Uh, paying up at quarterback. Uh, you know, I, none of the guys is a super super high price this week. It seems like they're all kind of. Right in that same six thousand to seven thousand on DraftKings, eight thousand or so on on FanDuel. So I'm I'm going to pay up for a guy who's only sixty seven hundred, and that's Jameis Winston versus New Orleans. Uh, eight of the last ten games, New Orleans has allowed multiple passing scores. And the only team to stop Jameis Winston from throwing multiple touchdowns at home this year was Denver, and Denver shuts down everyone. So. Well, this is one of those weeks we talk about it in the past where some weeks we discuss a little bit of what we're doing and who we're picking. And this week we didn't talk one iota about what we're looking to do DFS-wise. Guess who my payout player is? Aaron Rodgers. No, it's Jameis Winston. Just kidding. (laughs) It is Jameis Winston. We agree. We absolutely agree. And, yeah, there aren't any real expensive guys. Um, But i got to be honest with you. Staying away, I had a hard time picking. Because I don't like any of the higher price guys, quite honestly. Drew Brees on the road in Tampa with how that defense is playing. Ugh, doesn't make me feel good. Cam Newton, did you have you seen how he is playing? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger on the road. We already know that he's he's kind of Drew Brees esque when he's not in the friendly confines of Heinz Field. Andrew Luck playing Houston and that passing defense. And you know what? Stafford, even though he's at home, Chicago's pass defense has been okay at times. And you don't know what kind of, I don't know, you just don't know how the game flow in that game's going to go. So for me, I kind of flipped a coin that was between Mr. Breeze and Mr. Luck, and since Breeze is the highest-priced player, I'm staying away from Breeze this week. But I also wouldn't be shocked to see him put 303 up after last week, too. Well, that's kind of the reason I did not not take Drew Breeze as my, uh, my stay-away player. I got this weird feeling that Sean Payton's going to look for revenge this week. Uh, after a bad performance last week by Breeze in that offense. And realistically, this this is a must-win game. If they have any prayer of staying alive in the playoffs, I really doubt they're going to be able to stay alive in the playoffs, but this is their last-ditch hope. Uh, Tampa Bay has been red hot, but they still give up a lot of passing yards. Uh, the guy that I'm staying away from 
I wouldn't stay away from him on DraftKings because his price on DraftKings isn't too bad, but his price on FanDuel is ridiculous. His FanDuel price is $8,000, and that's Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak Prescott is going up against the New York Giants. Back in week one, he faced the Giants, and he failed to score against New York. In the last two weeks out, Dak hasn't topped 200 yards passing. Giants have allowed multiple passing touchdowns only three times all season. Most of the times they're allowing zero or one. One of those zero touchdown games was against Dak in his first start. Yeah, that's not a bad play, but you're right. I mean, his his price is out of whack when you look at it on FanDuel compared to DraftKings. A lot of players that are easy to avoid and punt at quarterback this week, though. I totally agree. Just it's you sit there and you just start looking at the matchups and you're like, wow, no, well, no, what? Oh man, really? Come on. What's really sucky though is when you try to figure out, okay, who's going to be your value play at quarterback this week? And none of the punt options is really that appealing either. No, they're so not. <laughs> I, I kind of went up above my normal punt range as far as quarterback goes. I'm taking a quarterback whose price tag on DraftKings is 5700 His price tag on FanDuel is 7400 which is a little high for punt range. But considering the matchup here, I think it's a great option. Uh, Carson Palmer at Miami. Now, if you throw out the uh, Jared Goff fiasco from a couple weeks ago, over their last three games against sane quarterbacks, Miami has allowed 10 passing touchdowns and over 1,000 passing yards over just three games. Yeah, and I like that play. It does come with some risk because that Arizona offense at times, I mean, it goes through David Johnson as it is, but there's there's just some risk with it. But when you're looking for cheaper options so you can get guys like David Johnson in your lineup, then that's when you have to take those risks. I'm going just a little bit more expensive because I really couldn't find a punt that I liked. Um, I'm just going to go and say I'm going chalk. I'm taking Andy Dalton against Cleveland, even though they're coming off a bye. Nothing wrong with that. Dalton has found his eyes for Tyler Eifert. And he's found his eyes for Tyler Boyd. And they have another Tyler on their team, too, Tyler Croft, who really hasn't done much of anything all year. But if there was a way to get him the ball, I'm sure Dalton would, too. And there you go. So let's move into running back. Um, who are you paying up for? I'm going to pay up for Matt Forte facing San Francisco. San Francisco has given up 20 running back touchdowns this year over 12 games. That is nearly two running back touchdowns per game. So that's not good if you're San Francisco, but good if you're a Forte owner, but not good if you're facing Forte in the playoffs. Well, if you're facing Forte in the playoffs, then what you have to do is hope that Bilal Powell gets most of the most of the there touches. But in DFS, of course, it's good, and you don't want that to happen. I know I'm just being, I'm just being difficult, because I can't take my eyes off of David Johnson. I don't care that he's ninety eight hundred dollars. I don't. Ninety eight hundred dollars, ninety seven hundred dollars. <throat> How many points did he score this past weekend? Didn't crack hundred yards receiving or rushing. The dude is just he's on one of those all time paces with the Marshall Falks of the world you know, with the best seasons that they've ever had. So it might seem like chalk, and you might be saying, well, anybody could tell you to play David Johnson. Of course he's a good play. Um, no, nah, I'm, I'm not getting jiggy with it. I'm not getting contrarian with it. I'm just saying David Johnson, sorry. I know the Miami run defense is tough, but he, that he finds a way to produce. One thing I've uh, found a success with lately is I've, I've actually been doing one lineup at least every week that has both David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell in it. And not surprisingly, that lineup has been cashing pretty much every week. And that's just something to think about. It's like, it is hard. It is really hard to stuff $18,000 of your budget onto two players. But that's why you really need to study up and, and listen to us and listen to other prognosticators tell you who our value plays are. Because you're going to need those value plays put in alongside those two guys if you want to have them both in your lineup. Yep, and then if you hit those value plays, you're, <coughs> you're, 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 you're bound to get three to four player return with those two players. I would say if you put both of those guys in your lineup and you got the equivalency of three players worth of points, that you'd be a little bit upset. Exactly. So well, you're fortunately, looking... again, this week we've got, uh, among the higher-priced guys, a couple more uh, obvious plays. I mean, Zeke has been... Incredible, even in a tough matchup. Uh, LaShawn McCoy's got a fairly good matchup against Pittsburgh. DeMarco Murray's got a great matchup against Denver. So you really could go any way possible. But there is one guy I'm going to stay away from this week. 
And that person is actually someone that I suggested as a play last week, and that is Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard is at Detroit. His price tag's only 6400 on DraftKings at 7800 on FanDuel. But here's the thing. Don't chase those stats. He faced San Francisco last week. And, you know, Detroit is allowing an average of only 78 rushing yards per game since week five. Everyone talks about how bad the Detroit defense is. Detroit defense actually isn't that bad, especially against the run. They've given up only three running back rushing touchdowns all season. So this is going to be tough because I'm staying away from two guys that you said had great matchups. And in theory, I think that they do look like they should have great matchups. And I'm still at the point where I can't tell you which one I'm going to pick until, of course, I say, okay, this is who I'm going with. But it's Zeke and DeMarco Murray. Um, the Giants' defense, I think, is a lot tougher than what people realize. And it's a divisional game. It's on the road. Also, I think I've heard or read that this will be the third or fourth straight night game that the Cowboys have played. First time in NFL history a team has done that. Um, but I could also see him just obliterating them with one or two long runs and a couple touchdowns. But I, there's just something about that matchup that has me saying that it looks like a trap game. But Murray, Denver's defense, of course, is much more difficult for the pass than it is the run. But, and this is the big but, I don't see this being a game that's much more than a 13-17 type game, 10-17. And I think game flow is going to make this one a tough one for all the running backs involved. I think it's going to be a painful game to watch, and it's going to be like a war of attrition. So I don't think there's as much upside for Mr. Murray this week as many people would expect. So I'm going to say stay away from Murray this week. Interesting. Uh, didn't Denver just lose a, another linebacker this week too? They got a bat, they, their defensive line though is strong, so I, I, I think that like again, it's just really for me, it's not as much the defense as much as the game flow I'm expecting. Well, we have a full slate of games to choose from this week, so who's your value play? My value play is a guy that I was on last week, big said I expected top three to five type numbers from him. Game flow did not work in his advantage. This is going to be tough when I tell you who it was last week and who it is this week when I just said what I did. But Thomas Rawls. I sure didn't expect that big performance last night. I, I Truly, I was on the radio saying it. I tweeted it out, top three to five play. And I love him this week. I think game flow worked against him yesterday. because Well, that and the injury, too. Yeah, the injury didn't help either. Um, but I, I expect another big week this week. And I think his price isn't reflecting what you get with him right now. Well, I think I'm going to surprise our listeners because my value play, uh, if you were in a regular draft, he was probably one of the first six guys taken. And if you were in an auction, you probably paid uh, 40 or so bucks out of your $100 budget for the guy. That is Todd Gurley. And Todd Gurley's price tag has fallen all the way down to $5,000 on DraftKings. That's half of David Johnson's price. And realistically, he's performed at about half of David Johnson's rate most of the year, so it's deserving price-wise. But Atlanta is really, really bad against opposing running backs. They've allowed 15 total touchdowns to opposing running backs. They've also give, given up the most receiving yards, the most receptions, and the most receiving touchdowns to opposing running backs. Now, Gurley's not David Johnson, or Le'Veon Bell for that matter, but he does catch a fair share of passes out of the backfield there, and he really is the feature point of the Los Angeles offense. So I think he's going to have a very big role in this game here. And L.A. might surprise in this one, uh, maybe reward Jeff Fisher for that contract with the victory. Yeah, and you know what? It's in L.A., which I think is big also. I, I always like players, usually, depending on, unless their name's Julio Jones, um, I like them when they're at home. It's usually a plus. And, yeah, this could be a game where you could see game script working for, in Furley in Gurley's favor. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Julio Jones. Uh, I'll, I'll get to him a little bit in the wide receiver section, but who's your value play? My value play at running back? Yep. I already said it, Mr. Rawls. Ah, dang it. How did I miss that? That's okay. I just don't consider it a value. I guess that's why. <laughs> Oh, well, Julio then, going on, going on to Julio and why, why I was trying to segue there, is Julio Jones is actually the wide receiver I'm going to stay away from this week, despite the fact 
that he is on the road, and despite the fact that Los Angeles has been crushed by opposing wide receivers over the last three weeks. The reason I'm staying away from him, turf toe. Turf toe. Now, tell me how in the heck any coach could make the believable statement that he didn't think the turf toe would affect his wide receiver much going forward. And keep a straight face. I can't keep a straight face because coaches can't keep straight faces. Um, He's my stay away also. And it is because of turf toe. I have a theory, if that's what we can call it. And I believe that because of the name of some injuries, people, being fantasy players, don't seem to understand the significance of said injury. Mm-hmm. A broken fibula for Earl Thomas. They, they understand under- that. They understand that, right? That was scary, too. Um, a sprained MCL or a sprained PCL or a sprained ACL. They understand it's not good, but they don't know what a sprain means. Did they? Do they know that a sprain is actually a tear? Yep. There's different. That's grades. a guy who has sprained pretty much every part of his body at some point in his life. I yeah. am more than aware of various uh, sprains. So if somebody said a sprained MCL versus a torn MCL, people are going to think of that differently, right? Exactly. Same with a concussion and a brain injury, right? I've had my share of those, too. So so a turf toe injury is basically a... Tear. It's a break. It's a fracture yep. of some sort. It's, there's, it's, more than, it's not just, oh, I stubbed my toe. And that's what it sounds like. I think that LaShawn McCoy... I speculated on this a couple years ago, and I believe McCoy's last year in Philadelphia. Remember, he was really ineffective. He was especially ineffective running to the left, and that was the... I believe it was his left big toe was the one that he had a turf toe injury with. And it seemed like he was not able to cut on a dime like cut on a dime does, right? And I think that turf toe injury was a big part of it. So, yes, as a Julio Jones owner in Dynasty and redraft this this week and needing him, I'm extremely concerned. So, no way I'm going near him in Dynasty. I mean DFS. Well, again, we I, I don't know personally which toe it is that's problematic, but... I can tell you from previous experience that injuries to your big toe can do havoc with your balance. And obviously Julio Jones likes to go up and contest stuff and, and, and run long patterns and stuff. Balance could come into play. Uh, there's balance. There's burst. I mean, think about all the pressure and force that comes off of your foot when you're, you're coming off the line. It's just a big, ugly mess that I don't want to deal with. We could be looking at Julio Jones' decoy. Which, again, hopefully, if I'm in Atlanta, that might allow him to draw Tremaine Johnson's coverage to kind of open up some room for Taylor Gabriel or Mohamed Sanu or uh, Hardy. I can never remember his first name there. Justin, Justin Hardy. Hardy. Uh, one of those guys might be a sneaky play because they're going to suck up some of those extra t- targets that Julio might be running decoy routes on. Okay. So let's forget about... Um decoying and, and sucking up and all that kind of stuff. Who are you paying up for? Who are going to be happy to plug in this week? That's got to be Mike Evans. Oh, we're in agreement again. Go ahead. Uh, again, you're, if you're taking Jameis Winston, you might as well go with the hook up there. Mike Evans, uh, more than 50% of his team's targets this year. Uh, New Orleans has allowed the third most passing yards per game this year, and they've given up six wide receiver touchdowns over the last four weeks. Uh, Evans at any price this week. Uh, his bad weeks recently have been weeks where teams have triple teamed him, uh, like Chicago. You don't get that sort of uh, defensive coverage by New Orleans because they don't New have. Orleans secondary sucks. <laughs> yes, they, I, was, I don't know if they have three warm bodies to put on one person. Uh, Delvin Breo. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm with you. Evans is my play too. Um, last week was an aberration. The week before, of course, showed his immense upside. I think that even at 89 and 89 at both sites, he's a fantastic value that you can plug in and not have to worry about. I'm surprised he wasn't above 9,000, actually. Yeah. So he's a little bit of a value that we'll just call our pay to play this week. So who is your value? You know, I, I don't know how many more long touchdowns this guy needs to score before his price finally goes up. Uh-oh. That's Ted Ginn Jr. versus San Diego. His price is 4000 on DraftKings, 4700 on FanDuel. That's $200 more than league minimum on FanDuel. He scored seven times over his last six games last year. 
And now he's scored in three straight here. He's obviously a second-half player. Uh, Cam Newton uh, needs to throw the ball uh, to keep his offense moving. Jonathan Stewart's got nothing left in the tank. And, and Stewart, uh, I should say, isn't getting much done against the uh, with the poor offensive line there anyways. Uh, every single game, there's three things that happen with Ted Ginn. He runs a jet sweep for about 15 yards. He catches a 30- to 40-yard touchdown pass. And he drops another 30- to 40-yard touchdown pass. This is true. One of these weeks, he's going to catch both of them. This is true. Um, you know, I know you said that you've done a couple of – you've done a lineup every week with David Johnson and Bell in your lineup. I've said often enough that guys like Ted Ginn and Deshaun Jackson, I almost would like to think about making lineups with them in each lineup once a week, but you have to stay with them. You can't try to guess the matchup. You just exactly. have Because he does. It's, he's total home run. So you're either going to hit with Ginn or you're not. There's no in-between. And at $4,000, that makes a great play. It, it's just ridiculous how cheap he is. So I'm going with a guy. It's kind of like Rashard Matthews a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I'm going with a guy that's nowhere near a value of that range. Um, he's probably a little bit too high to be a value, but I really liked him, and I thought that he was underpriced. So that's what made me feel that he is more of a value than necessarily looking at it. Just saying, hey, he's cheap. I love Jamison Crowder against that Philadelphia secondary. Again, much much lower price than he should be. Yeah, I think he should easily be in the high sixes, low sevens. And the Eagles actually started out the year with their defense doing pretty good against wide receivers. But over the last five weeks, they've given up 210 yards, 172 yards, 227 yards, 178 yards, and 264 yards two weeks ago to Green Bay to opposing wide receivers. It's gotten worse and worse progressively. Uh, Cincinnati just threw the ball a lot against them, despite not having any wide receiver weapons at all there right now, other than Tyler Boyd. Uh, Philadelphia is going to have a hard time uh, staying up with this, although it is in Philadelphia, and their defense has been very yeah, good at home. That is the one caveat. It is in Philadelphia, and it is a divisional game, but I still think Crowder is a solid, safe bet to give you two and a half times on that number. Well, it's interesting we're talking about Philadelphia at home because that leads me into my tight end avoid for the week. For the second straight week, in fact, it's Jordan Reed. Now, there's still some question mark about whether or not he'll be able to play this week. If he does suit up, he's still not going to be 100%. His price tag is the second highest at both sites. It's really stupid because they're facing Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Philadelphia has had five home games this year. They've allowed nine receptions, 70 yards, and zero touchdowns. No, that's not a one-game average. That is not one game. That is the entirety of five games against them at home. Nine catches, 70 yards, and zero touchdowns. You didn't get the, mess, you didn't get the memo. I was supposed to chime in, so that's not for one game and a one-game average. That is season. <laughs> okay. Well, we're really going out of order here. We're, we're picking our stayaways for some reason. Um, I'll tell you guys. Segways for them. Yeah, I know. They are. Um, the guy I'm staying away from this week is Delaney Walker. I know he's at home, but Denver. If you're going to attack Denver's secondary, tight end is probably the one position to use. But Denver also knows that Delaney Walker, uh, alongside Rashard Matthews, who's also price tagged down a little bit because it's Denver, the weapons there just aren't as much. They, they aren't as scary on the offensive side. Now, I know Matthews has been very good. Walker's been very good. But they don't scare you like a Julio Jones or an Odell Beckham would. So... I think Denver is going to find a way to try to shut down both Walker and Matthews this week. Yeah, I agree with you. I, like I said, I just think that's going to be a really low-scoring game. Of course, it'll be 38-41 or something like that now, but that's my thought process there. I can't imagine Denver getting that many points with their offense right now. Tennessee, I can see getting that who, many who said anything about who, who said anything about the offense scoring that many points? Are they going to sign Peyton Manning back? You know, the defense knows how to score. That's true. Uh, okay, I'm going to pay up for Tyler Eifert at yeah. Cleveland. We talked a little bit about the uh, Cleveland matchup, and uh, they're they're really bad against tight ends. Although, you know, over the last six weeks, they've held four teams in check. Those four teams have had awful tight ends go against them. We're, we're talking New York Jets-level tight ends going up against them. The Jets the other, have a tight end? Uh, 
do we know who that is yet? We still haven't, do we? Oh, no. Uh, the other eight weeks of the season, uh, the Browns are allowing an average of 8.3 catches and 94 yards to opposing tight ends. Oh, plus they've given up nine touchdowns over those eight games as well. Yeah, and it's it seems like the site's got it right by having him, you know, as the number one tight end right now. Um, last week, remember my stay away was Gronk. I didn't use Reed as my stay away this week because I honestly, uh, I'm not sure about his health. I, I, I think that's just going to be something that people have to monitor anyway. So, um, but Eifert is my pick also for my pay up. I, I just well, you know I'm, I'm going to chime in with something too that I've done recently. Uh, my recency bias is pretty good on this uh, object, and that is. Going with uh, on DraftKings where you have a flex position, going double tight end. I don't like it's it. It's nice because that second tight end, uh, you can get a bargain basement tight end in the uh, twenty five hundred to twenty seven hundred dollar range, which is about two thousand dollars less than equivalent level wide receivers. So if you spend six thousand for Tyler Eifert as the top price tight end on DraftKings, that's that's the range of guys as far as wide receiver goes. That, that's your Devontae Adams, Jordan Matthews, guys with upside, but not Terrell, not not uh, not Tyler Eifert level upside. You can pair him then with a tight end in the uh, two thousand dollar range, like my value play tight end, and that is Lance Kendricks. You get the two of them for eighty eight hundred dollars. That's less than you're going to pay for Julio Jones, and you've got two of your roster spots filled. With guys who could produce good numbers for you, twenty eight hundred on DraftKings. Tight ends touchdowns have been allowed in two of the last four games by Atlanta. And they just gave up one hundred and forty yards to Travis Kelsey. Uh, Atlanta is really struggling right now. They've given up the fourth most touchdowns overall to opposing tight ends. So I'd gladly pair those two together on my DraftKings lineup, and then be able to afford both Bell and Johnson at running back. Here's what I don't like about that. Uh... What I don't like about it is I did a study on this a couple years ago. And anytime anybody says, who should I use my flex? And if they mention a tight end in that same breath, I always punt the tight end, basically. Because my research showed, and this is all just me quoting it off the top of my head now, that there were fewer big games from the tight ends than the other positions. So it was, when they hit, though, they were big 20, 25-point games, but there were so many three, four, and six-point games that made that risk very risky and not rewarding enough. So I would say that if it was a GPP, then I might agree with it because you're looking for going big or going home anyway. Well, that's kind of what I'm discussing here because uh, I've been doing this mainly in tournament formats where guys such as Cameron Brait last week paid off huge for me, Uh, CJ Fedorowicz earlier this year. Again, guys that you could get for $3,000 and below – and these guys are producing like wide receiver twos yep. for 4000 less than most wide receiver twos on DraftKings. So my value play, I, this was another spot where I had two people, one sure who to go with. But I think the dollar amount rules one guy out, and that's Zach Ertz. I really like him this week, but I think he's too high, high priced to call him a value. Um, so I'm going to go with a guy that I believe has double-digit tight end upside this week and every week going through the rest of the season until he breaks the touchdown record for tight ends, and that's Antonio Gates. You just you, you know, know it's when coming. When you started the conversation, I thought you were going to say Ladarius Green, but then you said the touchdown record, and I'm like, okay, I know where you're going. Yep. It's just you. it's coming. You know it has to. He's going to be looking for him. At some point, it's going to happen. It might be a three for 30 kind of week with three touchdowns, but that's the upside is what you're looking for. And at $3,800, I'm willing to take the risk. Well, it's interesting I just brought up Ladarius Green because we're talking about the two tight ends. And uh, actually, in one of my more successful lineups this week, I had both Travis Kelsey and Ladarius Green. There you go. That'll, that'll work. That's one of the ones where it was a hit, cherry picker. <laughs> tight end picker, I guess. I don't know. Well, you know what? we had I did have Vance McDonald in a couple of lineups, too. I'm sorry, folks, for recommending him last week. Yeah, there you go. We all, we all have those kind of days. Um, well, we agreed on three of the four pay-to-plays, stacking Jameis and Evans and then also on Eifert. So and I don't think anybody would argue with our you know, running back picks, but we just didn't, didn't agree on that. That's all. So. so it sounds like that's a good base point for teams when they build their lineups this week. 
Start with Jameis, start with Evans, and kind of build around that because uh, those two guys are really safe. They're safe in cash format and they're safe in GPP format. Uh, I'm thinking Evans might be a little bit chalk, but at the same time, he's definitely the safest of those three players. And again, if you're going to go for one high-priced receiver, you, you really do want the stack and you want the best possible outcome. While we're sitting here talking about receiver, I'm going to give a hat tip to, I believe it's Graham Barfield, something that he tweeted earlier today. David Johnson, simply on his receiving numbers only, would be a top 25 wide receiver. Well, I'll give a little nod to my my cohort with League Safe Post. Uh, That's Brian Johnson at BTXJ, a very successful DFS player in his own right. Uh, He posted something over the weekend on Twitter uh, basically saying by putting David Johnson in your DFS lineup, you're basically getting a running back one's production and a wide receiver one's production for the price of one player. Yep. And even if not, it's a running back one and a wide receiver two. Exactly. You still can't beat that with a stick. So, All right. Speaking of beating with a stick, what, what's our next topic that we're going to beat before we say goodbye? Well, you know, so one of the topics I kind of came up with today – was some of the players that are going to be free agents this year. Now, people in Dynasty League formats, uh, you may have already begun to start like hedging your bets for next year if you're falling out of the playoffs, picking up guys who you think might be effectively useful next year. At the start of this year in one league that I knew I wasn't going to compete, I rostered a lot of Josh Ferguson. Uh, he turned into a toadstool, and I've had to cut loose on him on most of my leagues. But it's those type of players that you might pick up now that might have a role more significant in the future. Now, one thing that really doesn't get put into play when thinking about those players, though, is what about free agency in the draft? How does that affect the value of players that may or may not seem like good keepers for next year? So what we've done, uh, I want to thank the folks over at Yahoo.com. They put together a list of some impact offensive free agents for this coming year. And I think it's important that we kind of talk about those players and what they mean for the people around them, uh, either if they stay or if they go. Okay. Uh, the first player, well, let's start at quarterback, where there's one huge name that's jumping off the table at me, and that's Kirk Cousins. Oh, it's not Matt Barkley? <laughs> Is he a free agent? I don't know. He probably should be. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Kirky. Kirk Cousins. Obviously, there's some, uh, some heat there with the contract negotiation situation last year. But, uh, I mean, will Washington pay up for what he's actually worth? Or is it better suited for him to go someplace else where maybe he feels a little bit more uh, in tune with the uh, philosophy of the offense? So here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to give a little bit of my philosophy and how I look at things. And first I'm going to lead this with a few years ago when Dante Moncrief came into the league as a rookie. And he was a late first-round draft pick or early second round, depending on the size of your draft. Almost all my dynasty leagues, actually all my dynasty leagues are 16 teams. So for me, I always say late first and realize, oh, that was an early second for somebody else. I did a, I believe it was DLF podcast at that time. And I said, I felt that Moncrief was a rich, get richer type player. And what I meant by that was, was that the teams that are generally drafting later in the first round are the teams that are good and that they were going to get a player that was being drafted to a team with one of the best young quarterbacks in the game, Andrew Luck. So with that said, Kirk Cousins, unless the team totally implodes, I do believe he'll be back in Washington next year. But go ahead. what, What would you think of Kirk Cousins without Deshaun Jackson, without Pierre Garçon? What happens if Josh Doxson doesn't materialize into the player that they think he should be. How does that impact how you look at Kirk Cousins? That's part of the perils that a dynasty player has to look at. You can't just look at what that player is doing this year. You have to look at what will the talent be around them and how will that impact their future value. So for me, I do think Deshaun's gone, and I think that Doxson is probably a guy that will be able to be a big producer probably some growing pains at first. So I would say that at quarterback, I'm going to punt. 
that's just how I am on quarterback. So, well, and two, if you look around the league, I mean, obviously there's teams starting bad quarterbacks, but there isn't a lot of situations where there's a glaring open job for Kirk Cousins to take on. You might say the Chicago Bears, who don't have an obvious future at their quarterback, uh, a team like the New York Jets, who yes. don't have a a player truly ready to be their quarterback. I mean, I know obviously they drafted Hackenberg and they keep talking him up, but we haven't seen anything from him. And most of the other teams already have some sort of young quarterback. So I know the Vikings at one time were linked to Kirk Cousins, but they really won't be able to afford to sign him because they're going to have to sign a bunch of offensive linemen this offseason. Yeah. And that's that's the truth. I mean, maybe a team like Jacksonville, if they decided to cut bait on Blake Bortles, uh, new new coaching regime likely to come in there. I uh, don't think Bradley's long for this uh, for this league in terms of NFL coaching. See, and I don't think that I don't think Kirk is the kind of guy that you build an organization around. That's just me. Well, I think that's the reason why he has some issue with Washington is because I think Washington's management uh, feels the same way as you do. But. It's a. It's never the buyer's market when it comes to quarterbacks. So he will get paid, and he will be a Redskin. I mean, realistically, the only other free agent quarterbacks of any note would be a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, and his production this year hasn't earned him uh, another contract. I don't think uh, Mike Glennon could be a sneaky play coming out of Tampa Bay. He looked really good as a starter for a couple seasons there before they got Jameis Winston. Some team might give him a chance to start again. I doubt that Tampa Bay will pay him. Uh, the money requisite of him to where he could be a starter someplace else. Yep. Uh, and and Tony Romo. I mean, is, where is Tony Romo going to end up? Obviously, he's not a free agent, but there's been a lot of talk that he will be traded to let Dak Prescott continue to be the starter there. Yeah, uh, but I, again, quarterback's so streamable, I'm not going to lose any sleep over any of those guys. Now, there's uh, there's quite a few big names that are free agents at running back, but one no more bigger than Le'Veon Bell. Now... Pittsburgh uh, needs to look at the fact that Le'Veon Bell has been a bit of a problem child there. Yes, he's incredible. Yes, he is a statistical anomaly in terms of his production levels. But how much is Pittsburgh going to be willing to commit financially to Le'Veon Bell if he, A, can't stay on the field and decides to Ricky Williams it? Well, I think Bell's one of those players because I always say that it's you know, opportunity versus skill. Um, I think that no matter where Bell goes, he would be successful, unless it's San Francisco. Um, so oh, they're making Carlos Hyde effective there, so. That's true. Could you imagine Le'Veon Bell in New England? <laughs> so, yeah, Le'Veon Bell, to me, nothing changes with him. It's If he's in Pittsburgh, he remains one of the top two options in fantasy football. If he goes somewhere else, he might fall to number three. Here's the thing. There's one team that Le'Veon Bell would be an incredible match with, but there's no way that that team will ever sign him. The Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers need an impact running back. They need a running back who's a successful receiver out of the backfield. They haven't had that in about 10 years. I'm guessing Amon Green was probably their most successful two-way back. But they're probably not going to sign their own free agent, Eddie uh, ate too many cheeseburgers this offseason, Lacey. Uh, P90X only does it for you if you stay on the diet afterwards. Uh, so Eddie Lacey is a free agent, and I really don't see them committing a lot of money to him. But there definitely will be a running back opening in Green Bay this coming fall. You mean Ty Montgomery's not it? <laughs> Ty Montgomery, Christine Michael, who's a free agent in his own right at the end of the year. Uh, James Starks. I think that the Green Bay management team realized for the first time this year that they cannot win without some semblance of a running game. And right now they don't have any semblance of a running game. So Aaron Rodgers can't do it all himself anymore. Here's a rhetorical question that I was thinking of when you were going through the news and you talked about Jeff Fisher. Um, What fan base would be more upset with a coaching extension, the Packers or the Rams? Ooh. Just saying. The Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a trick question, right? Yep. (laughs) No, I I think that uh, Green Bay fan base definitely wants some changes to be made. And obviously one of those changes is not going to be Aaron Rodgers. 
what that means it's going to be either the coaching staff, the management staff, or the surrounding players there. And uh, uh, he, uh, if you think about it, if by some weird twist of fate, Leonard Fournette falls in the draft, could you imagine him going to a team like Green Bay, who, again, Green Bay never spends for anyone big in free agency. They always try to build from within. You Fournette want- in Green Bay, would he be a good fit? Here's, Of course he would. Um, here's why I don't think Fournette will fall. I know we're getting off topic now, but the NFL is a copycat league. So you can bet your bottom dollar that somebody's going to try and replicate the lightning in a bottle that Dallas has with Ezekiel Elliott and that Fournette will not fall. He will be a high draft pick. So I was kind of looking at that during the news there. Teams with a high draft pick in the first round that may have a need for him next year. There's two teams in mind, actually three, that come into play for me that I think really would have to consider him. That is the Indianapolis Colts with the aging Frank Gore, the Carolina Panthers with the aging and ineffective Jonathan Stewart, and the Philadelphia Eagles with the aging and ineffective Ryan Matthews. And of all those teams, it's probably going to be the Eagles that have the highest draft pick. Uh, Yeah, I suppose with the trades they've made, yeah. Carolina. Carolina and Philadelphia might be duking it out for a higher draft pick between the two of them. So I mean, yeah, you're not going to see any of those other high teams. Uh, like you've got uh, the Rams aren't going to take one having Gurley. The Browns aren't going to take one. They're, they really got to either get a quarterback or line help there. Uh, and as we speak here, I should note Dwayne Allen with his third touchdown today. Uh, I did not start Dwayne Allen in any DFS lineups. I kind of wish I did, but that's off topic. <laughs> yeah. And I know a few weeks ago, people were high on him. He had goose egg. I, I picked him as my blue light special, I think, a couple weeks ago. Zero points. So I think that's just, just the way of the world. There's some crazy stuff. Well, how about wide receiver? Uh, there's a couple of wide receiver names of interest to me. Uh, obviously, perhaps the biggest names are Terrell Pryor and Elshon Jeffrey, both of whom currently are in not exactly great situations offensively. But... Could either Cleveland or Chicago survive the public loss of either of those two guys? Yes, I think so. And here's what is encouraging with both of those guys. As I say, situation over talent, right? Does does the situation get much worse for Terrell Pryor? Can you find a situation that's much worse than what he's been in this year? Probably not. So he's performed under extremely poor circumstances. So no matter where he ends up, he's at a minimum status quo and then possibly gains value. So he's a buy in my eyes if you can buy him in Dynasty. And then the same with Alshon. Uh, His ding is a getting dinged, actually, because he's played with the worst of Jay Cutler and the best of Jay Cutler and the worst of the Matt Barkleys of the world and stuff like that. Well, no, I guess he didn't really play with Matt Barkley. Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer, et cetera. So... um, I think he has the talent that as long as he doesn't wind up in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick throwing him the ball, he should be successful. So he's somebody I also own in Dynasty. Um, I could see him being a buy and trusting that he would wind up on a team that would still know that they have to feature him and get him the ball. Then one other big name, or a guy who really, he's finally breaking on the scene this year after several seasons where people kind of predicted he would be good. This is really his first season to really bring it out, and that's Kenny Britt, who's having uh, definitely a career season in, in Los Angeles this year. Is there a better fit for Britt, or is he something that Los Angeles needs to build around? Well, I, you know, I actually think he had a semi-decent year last year, a little bit unheralded. Um, definitely came out of nowhere for people this year. No, I don't think he's a build-around type player. I think he's a complementary type player. I think that he's a... 60-some-ish catch, 1,000-yard, six-touchdown type ceiling type guy. So nothing that I would get overly excited about. But you put him in a place like with Andrew Luck or a couple different situations like that, and then, yeah, you might say, okay, I'll give him a little bit of of an uptick. But if he winds up in Chicago, then you can take him down into the 40 range. So he's really going to be a – it depends on where he goes. Now, at the uh, tight end position, there's – there's one name that I think we all kind of think is supposed to be big right now, and that's Martellus Bennett. He hasn't done much uh, so far, but that, a lot of that's because of injuries. Uh, 
will the Patriots bring him back to continue to try to pair him with Rob Gronkowski, or will the Patriots move on from that? I think they will because I don't think that his lack of production right now has anything to do with his age or performance. They're using in the block a lot. So, yeah, I think that he's exactly the type of player that they like, and I can see them riding him for another year. And, you know, Gronk is is still, his future is unclear at this point. You know, it's, it's kind of scary. I mean, Earl, Earl Thomas uh, yesterday uh, was tweeting uh, after his injury that he has to seriously consider retirement. He's really, really young, so I'd hate to even envision that happening. But what is this, the third back surgery for Gronkowski in the last five years now? Yep, and I believe he came out of college with a rumors of spinal stenosis also. Is there really a cause for concern there that maybe dynasty owners need to start thinking to themselves, how many more years is he going to want to play? Yeah. And- I mean, obviously, Gronk is always, I mean, he's super competitive on the field, but at the same time, he's also kind of, he's he's beyond football. Gronk is an entity beyond football. And, and financially, obviously, he doesn't need to play that much longer. No, and we've come to see a different breed of football player today. You know, with the early retirements of the Patrick Willises and I can't remember the other San Francisco linebacker's name, guy that played the one season. Um, yep. Actually, he didn't play a full, did he even play a full season? Like nine games, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't believe his name escapes me right now. Um, so, you know, you never know. And... Here's the thing, though. You can't sell them right now. You'd be selling low. So you got to wait till the offseason, wait till there's nothing going on, wait till your rookie draft's approaching, and then try and dump him when hopefully some good news has come out about his rehab or something like that. But, yeah, he's definitely going to be giving you diminishing returns from here forward. Well, here's a name for dynasty owners to, to definitely be aware of if you're not already aware of, and that's A.J. Derby. He's a guy that New England probably should have held on to considering the injuries to Bennett and to Gronk. Uh, he's already moved himself up that space where he's basically the number one tight end in Denver. And Denver has been known in the past to feature their tight ends. So uh, definitely a name if you're in a uh, redraft, I'm sorry, if you're not in a redraft league, if you're in a dynasty or keeper league, look look at the bottom of your tight end list and see if no one owns A.J. Derby yet. I would definitely be uh, grabbing him for the bottom of your roster. And see, yeah, if you can stash him, I'm with you. But that's one of those lo- one of those spots where you have to say, what do they have at quarterback? What and then you go, well, you know what? They might wind up with Tony Romo next year. Then guess what? That could be huge for a guy like AJ Derby. So they're the types of things where you can't just look at the player. You really have to look and try to build what you think the team will look like. So a lot of moving parts. Dynasty is a lot more difficult than what people think. And like Earl Thomas, every week I think about retirement too. But instead of retiring for good. I'm just going to say let's retire for this week. And I want to thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Um, You can rate, review us there. Follow Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Of course, you can follow myself at Steve Gallo NFL. And as always, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. Cheers.